Hello and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for people who are curious about how to have a more fulfilling work life. We live in a world largely driven by numbers, logic and reason. But how we feel at work and about our work impacts us, our organisations and society. There is a relationship between the numbers of our organisations and the life beyond the numbers. I'm Susan Michrielon, your host. I've lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't. People who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. But one thing that I've learned that is common to us all is that we are all unique and have unique experiences. And it's helpful to know that there are others who think like we do, or have had struggles too, or have gone where we want to go, or can show us things we didn't know. So join me and my guests as we place a lens on the human side of work life by sharing insights, stories and strategies to inspire you to let your uniqueness shine. Today, I am delighted to welcome Stefan Finkston to Life Beyond the Numbers. Stefan, you're so welcome. Thank you, Susan. It's an, it's an honor. Like I said before, it's an honor for me to be here. Great. So Stefan and I came across each other on LinkedIn. No one introduced us. Stefan reached out to me about something entirely different. And yet here we are. And I think that is just a testament to the power of networks that you can just reach out to somebody and then start a conversation. So today we're going to go, I don't know where we're going to go, but I know where we're going to start. (laughs) Stefan, I did a lot of reading and research before we got together and something that really struck me more than anything else I think I came across when I was looking at what you do was what you said. Looking at the world today amazes me how far many countries are developed technologically. However, how low the average development in those countries is of the human consciousness. So maybe you could talk to that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, you touch upon a point that's going to change my mood immediately, as you can see. Uh, while I'm excited to be here, I'm flabbergasted, I'm devastated by what I see in the world. And so this level of consciousness that you're mentioning is is also reflective, in my mind, of the human potential. And I'll explain this in a minute. So when I see a human being killing another human being, I'm going to cry, and I'm really going to cry. When I see a baby in Africa or in any other place of the world, doesn't only have in Africa, dying from starvation, I cry. And I'm convinced we have enough material value and wealth that this wouldn't be necessary. And this is not to blame anybody that they're not uh, being responsible with their wealth, but as a human race, we're not doing enough. Or... We're not capable of doing more. I think that's a better way of putting it. 
And so how we in, in Germany, in Italy, and I'm not sure about the UK, how we treat and hold animals on one square meter of, of room, we keep pigs all their life long. And so these are intelligent beings that suffer their life long. We have no right to do that. People who, who keep them, they can only do that if they're completely detached from their heart. So to me, there's two crucial points in the human development. Number one is a solid connection to your own heart space because that's uh, where empathy sits. And we humans are capable of being empathetic. My son corrects me when I say it's only a human privilege to have that capability. He would say some animals have that too. Uh, yeah, maybe that's possible, but humans definitely have it and we don't use it enough. Because every time I kill another being, I'm not in my heart space. Otherwise, I couldn't do it. Any time I order somebody to kill somebody else, I'm not in my heart space. So looking at Israel and Palestine or Ukraine, Russia, Africa, all these wars, if we were to be in the human, in, in, in Jesus consciousness, we wouldn't be doing that. That's number one. And the second thing that people can learn to do is to connect to the universe, to the quantum field, so to energy before it takes form. That's something I teach in my classes, and I think it's very important to do that, because if you connect to a higher intelligence, you will only develop products and services that serve the universe. You wouldn't be developing drinks that have a lot of sugar, and destroy babies or little children's teeth. You wouldn't be doing that. Yeah, so I, I guess that's, I'm stopping here, so I won't take up all this space. But basically, and, and of basically an envelopment in all of the, of the chakras, of the human chakras. But to me, I'm focusing very much on the heart chakra. I wouldn't want anybody to be able to use the connection to the quantum field if they're not first settled in the heart space. Because otherwise, you can imagine if people learn how to deal with how to manipulate the climate just because they want to make more money, it's another disaster. Totally. And as you're speaking, there's so much, Stefan, and it's almost overwhelming to think about all of those things or any of them in isolation and and maybe if we bring it closer to home in one way i always think about workplaces and our work lives and how many are in that heart space in an office or in leadership where bullying and micromanagement and conflict and competition are wholesale so if I am in a workplace now, what does it mean to connect to my heart space? How do I look for signs that I'm doing that or that others are? Is there a way? You know, I think a lot of very smart people, Ken Wilber and some of the people have demonstrated that survival of the fittest, as Darwin thought that it got us here, is not true. Because probably even the humans wouldn't have survived. We were not the fittest at the time. We couldn't fly. We couldn't run fast. There's a lot of things we couldn't do. And and many people show there's some other intelligence, and, and they call it love, that wants certain developments, certain species. 
So that's one thing. So our business environment is, is, is to me, is on a dead end, dead road, because it's about more competition, more fierce competition. We see the consequences, burnout, and so on and so forth. Now, people who are already highly sensitive and or empathic, they are not being incentivized in most of the today's businesses, which to me is one of the problems. And so that's one thing. How do I know when I'm there? I know because, uh, and this is also what I'm counting on, because then if I, in my heart space, and I connect to that, I connect through to my heart to the universe. And then I'm being flooded with the unconditional love. And then I need nothing else. And I believe all the leaders that right now are very much separated, and separation is always we're seeing, we're striving for. And so people get into higher positions that are good in separating and getting ahead on somebody else's expenses. But at the end of the day, they're also seeking the same thing. They're seeking love. They're seeking recognition. They just haven't understood that more money, more power isn't going to do it for them. So this is, I think, where we can come into play. Yeah. And... I almost don't have anything to say to that because it's articulated so well. And it's not that I don't have anything to say. I, I no. <laughs> you know, I suppose I think about when we go into a workplace or we're in the office, we're disconnected from so many things. Our heart is just one of them. We're disconnected from the other humans. We're disconnected perhaps from our feeding or food needs our sleep needs there is such a we're so disconnected as human beings now from and it is so normal it is so normal we're so used to it that's one of the big problems but i think the great news is that now i'm getting back to what i talk and teach is the the subtle world the most subtle world of energy and humans can get attuned to it we can feel it more and more and so we can actually you can feel another human being so you know if the human being tells you the truth or not if she or he is authentic or not honest you can even at some point if you keep doing that read their mind it's not it's not something that's completely out of out of this world and so i think the first step is that people start to realize hey we are traumatized and we live in a very highly traumatized world what we do is not normal Having wars is not normal. Killing each other, killing anything, killing the, the planet is not normal. And, and every single one of us is contributing to that. So when people realize so, um, that I don't have enough self-love, I don't think you can teach somebody to have self-love or to have a connection to your heart, but you can become more conscious with the lack of it. And by doing that, you automatically you start to vest in your own love and then in, in the love for other beings. So, so to your question, how do I do this? By recognizing and acknowledging that I'm not happy in, in the workspace. I have a lot more power. I'm not impotent. I have a lot more power than I think to change the world. And it starts here. <laughs> it's so true. It, to make change, it, we need to change ourselves first or we need to understand ourselves or we need to have awareness of who we are and what we want in the world and perhaps why we're here which I think speaks also to potential and what you talk about 
how much hidden or unfulfilled potential do we currently have amongst us? Some people say 75, 80% of hidden potential. Hopefully I'm not uh, getting too far now, but I've had a very down-to-earth, material career. And yet the more I allow myself, the more I develop my sensitivity, the more I land in my own vulnerability. As a manager, I had a lot of a lot of walls around me and I didn't mind if, if the shareholder of the company I was running kicked my ass, the employees weren't happy, the customers all the time in a big automotive OEMs. And but human beings are very vulnerable. And the more we get into our sub into our subtle parts, the more we connect to the ancient, to the wisdom of the universe. And then all of a sudden we we know things. I've, I've been guided by something much bigger than myself. I left my job in 2018 without knowing what was going to be next. Yeah, there's huge potential out there by connecting to our subtle existence. Uh, I love the way you said that. We know things. Now, for those of you that don't know Stefan, Stefan began his career much like I did in accounting. So, Stefan, maybe the question I have now is accounting is logical, it's rational, it's calculated, it's right or wrong, black or white. What, how, how can you move from that world to this more, we just know things. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. I mean that in a way that, that for change to happen in the world, I believe some of us need to be able to translate between both of those worlds. And maybe that's where the question is coming from. Yes, it's a, it's a beautiful question. I studied business, I have a master in business administration and I focused on mathematics. So I had always talked to God since I was a little boy without having been raised in a religious I was, you know, Protestant, but not religious at all. But I had talked to God from very early on. And during my studies, I, at some point I went, hmm, one plus one is two. God, does he really exist? It's not possible. So I got into this, what I call a trap, into this scientific trap. And then much later on, my son did some work on, on something very similar for his, I think, religion or something. And he quoted Einstein, Albert Einstein, who had said, when you start becoming a scientist, you stop believing in God. After you have been in a career for a long time and you're a senior scientist, you start believing in God again because there's so much we cannot explain. And so all of a sudden, it does make sense. And so to get back to your question, I had two careers. I got interested in, in the human potential at the age of 28 in San Francisco while I was a CPA. So two completely different things. And I had read from um, about high levels of consciousness from Ken Wilber, and I didn't know what he was talking about. But something inside of me knew. I said, oh, that's where I want to go. It took me 10, 15 years to have my first big, what I call awakening experience. And by that, I mean opening up yourself to other dimensions, other existence, higher intelligence, the subtle world, which we're all part of. And 
And to some people, this might sound crazy now, but more and more people are getting there and more and more evidence for that. In quantum physics, they realize there is no material. So in some way, we're an illusion. This is an illusion here. And for many years, I had both worlds. I had the business world and I had a very quick career. And I was going, let me have this career. Now I'm a CFO. I make tons of money, but I'm not interested in it. I feel, I feel I have something else to bring to the world. And it didn't make sense for another, I was in my 40s when I became a CEO. And interestingly enough, I became a CEO for an American business, which usually they never make a CFO become a CEO because in an operational world where there's engineering and, and manufacturing, they want an engineer. I was a number cruncher. And, but I said, you know, God, I see the culture doesn't work out here. So help me. I need to become CEO. They need to make me CEO. Two months later, I was CEO because the previous CEO had screwed up. They asked me, they had a lot of faith in me. And then I, I stayed in the job for more than 10 years. I actually oversaw a couple of businesses in the UK also, in Birmingham and in, in Harlow, close to London. And so, yeah. <laughs> and then it made sense to me because now that I could work with people finally, and I could work on the culture, I could help to develop them, and the company became profitable. And that shift from the focus on numbers to the focus on people, was that difficult for you as well? Or were you ready for it? And can you do both? Can you look at numbers and people together? Hmm. How do you become profitable? Yeah, very, I think very similar to you. First of all, I became an accountant only but I didn't realize that until much later because I believe that my soul, so not in terms of religious terms, but in terms of energy that carries information. I believe we all have a, a mission in this life and we carry the information. Most people forgot to have access to that. And so I went to San Francisco and I became a number cruncher just because something got me there and I wanted to go to San Francisco if it had been something else I would have done something else but numbers came easy to me I liked it I had a quick career and, and I became a CPA and, and I still think numbers are important to understand things so it's good to be able to read statistics it's very good to be able to read financial statements for, for companies and so on and so forth mm. so yes you can do both <laughs> <laughs> And you, you do, you and another example, you also do both. And when there's a tension between that, though, I think maybe that's one of the things in, in the world at the moment, the, the, the focus is often profit at any cost, which is often a human cost and a hidden cost at that to the, to the human psyche. But if we look around the world, 80% of people at least are unhappy at work. And unhappy is a catch-all phrase. I mean, they're going through the motions, they're putting in the hours, they're not gaining satisfaction. Happiness isn't the right term for that. They're, but what they're also doing is leaving their potential untapped and possibly even giving doing themselves disservice because, like anything, if you forget, if you stop learning, if you stop driving, <laughs> you don't know how to drive. So... If you stop yeah. believing you have potential, how does it even come back? And I think maybe the question is, 
where can the world, and this is a big question, so <laughs> it's more of an exploration, where in the world or where can the world see that it isn't just about profit at any cost? It's a great question. I believe that COVID, you know, the COVID virus showed us what was going wrong. It showed us how quickly the environment can recover when we stay out, like in the Bay of Venice. The dolphins came back quickly. And it's interesting, you know, we experts keep telling us, have been telling us for 10, 20, 30 years that we're going towards a huge wall, but we don't care because humans only care when it's right in, in our neck. Like the COVID virus, we got all freaked out. We got scared. But for the environment, like you said, there's a hidden cost to being profitable if you don't if you don't consider all stakeholders. And, and Mother Earth is one of the stakeholders. But then this comes back to my work. So if 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 we can manage to seduce people and and men, would be more important. Uh, not because they're more important, but because there's less of them of them. Is so to reconnect to the heart space, find joy and happiness within themselves. By connecting back to your body, you automatically connect also to Mother Earth. So you, you cannot pollute her because you realize she's part of me. She's part of myself. And, and so I think that would be important. Cognitively, everybody should have gotten it by now that we're, we're destroying Mother Earth and we're destroying climate and so on. But for some reason, we're not doing anything. It is fascinating, isn't it? I, I think what you say is cognitively, yeah, we all get it. And okay, there are people who deny it and so on, but even they probably at some level understand it. And I wonder if it's about responsibility that mm -hmm. we don't take responsibility for our part in it. We either see it's up to the government or it's up to leadership or it's up to a think tank or we're always able to outsource the responsibility part rather than looking at ourselves. Yes, and I think this is where we get back to the quote, my, the initial quote of what I'd said about, it's interesting, we're so in the developed countries, we believe we're so developed. In technology-wise, we are. But in terms of social intelligence, we are far behind many indigenous people, many African people maybe. We could learn so much from them. Why is that so? I, I believe this takes us to the discussion of trauma, of collective trauma. So again, a person that is not in their heart space is a traumatized person. You're not born like that. You close your heart due to a traumatic experience. And trauma, the way it's being widely used now, is not something huge happening to you. Trauma is any experience that overwhelms your nervous system in the given moment. And what happens is this comes back to the, the subtle world now. It comes back to energy. So energy has no end and has no beginning energy comes from the quantum field into this world of material expresses itself and then goes back when an emotion that we feel like fear or something else gets interrupted we get overwhelmed we disassociate from the experience from the emotion and the related energy doesn't get to express itself so what happens it sits it, re it, it keeps sitting in your body so in the world of three dimensions, it's the past. I got traumatized, so what do I care? In the world of energy, 
it's energy that's still sitting there that's trying to release it so we all of us carry a lot of undigested past undigested trauma from the past collectively and individually and so i believe that most of the leaders are heavily traumatized but they don't know because their ego keeps them surviving more money more power more money more power you know and and it's normal they're normal because they've survived and as you were talking there about energy i was also thinking stefan if if energy if we're holding that energy we're also repelling it because it can't move through <laughs> when there's new stuff coming at us we can't receive it because we've got blocks up from exactly yep that's very beautiful description that's what happens if we didn't have those blocks all of us we would have automatically it's like energy could flow it's like just water flowing through you and bringing fresh information all the time from a higher level of intelligence from the universe from the divine whatever you want to call it but since we all carry these blockages we don't feel it anymore and we lose we have that connection when we come here first but then we lose it and we can regain it back we can and i'm thinking about the person listening to this who thinks these two people are woo woo and they have gone off on a tangent and not on a tangent even i think it's back to what you said about we know things and perhaps paying attention to those subtle things that we do get that sense of knowing or feeling so strongly that we can't question it and we don't need to we just know and i guess the world we've grown up in has told us to deny that or to ignore it or to bring data in <laughs> to back it up or whatever and it i don't even know where i'm going i feel like it's it's so freeing to know something and maybe paying attention to that or keeping a little record doesn't have to be a little record but keeping some form of reflection on those things that you just know is a way of moving forward or unblocking energy or believing that there is something else out there you're, you're absolutely right and i had a career in this three-dimensional limited world which we call normal and but i believe and there's a lot of evidence so for instance you talked about intuition knowing from your heart space and we all have that when we come to this world we have an experience and we feel a certain way and mommy says no 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 you're wrong you're wrong and we depend on mommy so over time we lose the connection to our soul's information to our intuitive capability because mommy says, or daddy or somebody else says something else so we we're in conflict for a while and then we forget where we came from a lot of people still have that but they don't trust it yeah and so the secret is and, and science has shown that in our heart and in our belly we have the same kind of cells that we have in our brain they can think they can remember and more importantly they feel so they're actually superior to our brain and then also studies show we can synchronize you can synchronize your brain with your heart 
and have a huge neuronal system. Then you would start with talking using the human potential because then you have a huge system connected to a higher intelligence. And and so this experience of doubting, be, a lot of people have one feeling here and then the brain says, nah, forget it. You're, you're crazy. You're stupid. Absolutely. And we idolize, maybe for want of a better word, but we put our brains on a pedestal and perhaps see our body just as a means of transport for said brain rather than a source of intelligence or multiple sources of intelligence. And it's, you know, the brain is beautiful. It's the mind. So the mind, and, and if, if you're honest, then most people, they don't control their mind. Their mind controls them with all these fears and anxieties that come up. And also there, it's good to understand the biology and, and the history of the human species. The mind, the anxiety is good and used to be very good when there were tigers and, and lions around. But now it, it, it's not needed as much anymore. But still, it does a purpose. The mind doesn't want you to grow. The mind doesn't want you to live and use your potential. The mind with this in the left brain with her original reptile function, coming from the reptiles, is to have you survive. So if you have survived until today, keep going the same way. If you want to live and you want to use your potential, you got to go beyond the conditioned mind. Which seems to me like an absolutely perfect introduction to leaders who want to lead more effectively but what you just said there sums it up so well yes you've survived to now doing what you think is normal and however and yet there's so much more potential for you and those that you work with to explore but ego can take over or can interrupt that as well and do people not want help do people want help that is specific about the numbers or the growth of the business as opposed to developing inner potential where is the tension there between the outer growth and the inner growth Mm, it's it's a brilliant question well, number one, I believe that um, the ego, and, and, and this, of course, the more successful you are, the bigger the ego is. And so this is in, in oftentimes in your way, because in order to develop the, the potential, it needs some courage, because you need to face your undigested past. So there was a good reason. As a baby, as a young boy, I couldn't face the uh, emotions, so I, I detached from it. Now, in order to free myself and free up the energy, I need to relive. That's my experience, at least. I need to relive that emotion. It's not difficult at all, but your mind keeps telling you, if you go there, you're going to die. Plus, men are conditioned to be tough, to be unemotional. I'm happy to read, to see that in the business world, beyond the cognition, beyond the uh, mental world, no, it's more acceptable to have an emotional world. But I was told many times by my bosses, hey, come on, don't be so emotional. 
But if I tell you don't be so emotional, Susan, what am I telling you? I'm telling you to not be authentic because if you have an emotion and you're not supposed to have it, so what happens? <laughs> and also telling someone not to be emotional emotional is a catch-all for like 2,000 types of emotions <laughs> you know do you mean don't be so passionate about my job or what you're really saying to me is don't be so sensitive or don't be so um, negative we also associate that word emotion with things we don't want when actually a lot of our emotions are we, we won't get out of bed in the morning without feeling some sort of emotion Exactly. Even anger is, uh, um, is a big topic. A lot of people have dissociated from the anger, especially women, because for men, maybe some men consider it even sexy if a man acts on his anger. You don't want to see a woman in our societies. We, that's completely unsexy. So women need to repress anger. I believe we're all sitting on tons of repressed anger, everybody. Because every time in your youth, as a baby, when you want to express yourself, you want to explore, and somebody holds you either verbally or physically as repressed anger. And the person is stronger, so you cannot express it. So you have to repress it to, to not feel it. And and so, yeah, I think that that's something we need to... So the first step is, is so to allow emotions. Allow yourself to feel your rage your frustration allow yourself and then the more you allow yourself the less likely you're going to react in a funny way in the in the wrong way the more you try to repress it the more you're going to burst out when it's not called for so true and then when you come from the you allow yourself to feel your emotions more and more you start being less in your head then you also start to connect to your energy you start to feel the frequency of rage you start to feel the frequency of shame shame is a big big topic in our societies and, and so on and so forth. We have no problem feeling the frequency of joy and freedom. <laughs> I don't know, though. One of my guests one time said, if you don't know how to experience and feel anger and rage and all of those, how do you know that you're fully experiencing joy and happiness as well? Because maybe everything is being reduced, the frequency of everything. We need that contrast too. And I, I thought that was an interesting point. Yeah, at least I believe you're going to keep yourself in those lower frequencies most of the time, because the energy that couldn't express itself that we mentioned before is going to try to free up. So it's, it's, it's going to send out vibrations and those vibrations get into our brain as thoughts, so that's why people have thoughts all the time or emotions. I think we all know a situation where all of a sudden I'm really sad and I don't know why. That's my undigested past speaking to me. Depression is to me is not, no, somebody's going to kill me, but depression is not a disease. Depression is nothing but repressed emotions. And if we keep them where they are, they're going to prevent us all our life long from being able to fully breathe to fully express ourselves, to fully utilize our potential, to connect to bigger spaces. It will not be possible because we are pressing something. We need to keep stay repressed. I don't share the video, Stefan, because you, you do so many wonderful movements with your body there as well. You speak with your body like I do, I think. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is in your classes, so you mentioned a couple of times that you do classes, so people come to you 
the before and after, what happens? Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm just having an Italian class of 15 people. I don't take more than 15 people in my 12-week journeys. I call them journeys. So they all come already being conscious of the lack of self-love. They feel they have a mission, but they don't know how to get there. The first three weeks I keep telling them is when you want me dead more than once, when you want to leave the class more than once, because you're going to meet yourself. You're going to meet yourself in all and more depth. And then eventually by learning how to stay with yourself, which is the most difficult part, you eventually from deep within yourself, you, you're seeing your own life with different eyes. You, you, compassion for yourself starts to you almost give birth to self-love. And then you start loving yourself from within. You see that the way with your situation, your life situation, your parents, you had to be the way you were. And we have compensations to trauma. So if I don't get attention... I compensate that and I push into, you know, a center of attention all the time or um, some other things we do or taking drugs, drinking alcohol, usually are compensations to trauma. So by just telling people not to do it, you're not going to go anywhere. So that's what they learn in my classes. They get to know themselves better. And by connecting to the trauma, they also opening up. As your other guest said, they, they, they're opening up to more potential and they have experiences in other dimensions of the consciousness usually. Thank you. I've, I've like so enjoyed this conversation, Stefan. And yeah, I <laughs> I really have. We've gone on quite a journey and I maybe I'm left with a lot of questions still. And also you've changed my perspective about some of the things I think about as well, which is always so important. And if people would like to connect with you or know more about you, Stefan, what's the best way of getting in touch? That's a good question. I have a, a website, but since I'm doing a lot of work in Facebook, my website is is okay. So if you want to share it's www.stephanfingston.com in linkedin i've tried to get back and as i mentioned to you into the the world of the professionals and i still see myself and it's starting to happen i have some people come to me i see myself getting back into the the boardrooms of big companies in order to support and assist them of how the next generation type of leadership needs to look like and not that i know all of that but i definitely can support and there's many people doing something similar. Also, LinkedIn is where you can find me, Facebook. So my classes in Facebook are very successful. And, and still, you know, I felt again, no, something is missing. This is not it yet. And so then Natalie came across and she said, hey, do you want to go into LinkedIn? I said, sure. And so then I came back into the English speaking world. And Facebook, I'm working in Italian only. I came back into the English-speaking world, and that's when I met you, and I met Bob in Australia, so I've been meeting very, very interesting people. Brilliant. <laughs> that sounds great. Stefan, thank you so much for your time today. It's been, a, like, intellectually stimulating, but also vibrationally. So I thank you for that. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you, Susan. You were a great host. I mean, if you hadn't been ready for that, you wouldn't have asked the questions you asked. So I think, I think you know, these, these words come out of my mouth when I feel there's somebody sitting there who can receive them. And so thank you very much for giving me this space and this opportunity. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the paths we traversed on today's episode. If something rang through for you, be sure to let me know. Or maybe you can share this with someone in your life who would benefit from listening too. And if you enjoy helping others, I'd be so grateful if you would leave a review so that people who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers can discover this podcast too.